Right, take your Bibles and turn your Old Testament to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. I'm going to use this verse as a jump off verse this morning, Jeremiah 17. By the way, it's good to see Rose Mikowski this morning. Rose, good to see you. I didn't have a chance to shake your hand. I didn't know you were here. But uh, don't you leave until you let me shake your hand. But it's good to see you. Good to have you here. Hi, how long are you up? Until Friday. Okay. Okay. Short trip? Yeah. yeah. How's everybody doing down in, down in uh, Missouri, you and, you and Walt? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Does he? Yeah, I know that's that, that's been been a tough battle for him, to say the least. Yeah, amen. All right, we've got the Griffies with us this morning, Mike and Linda, and uh, even though their trailer tried to keep them from coming here, they they <laughs> they, they made it anyway. So praise the Lord for that. Well, I tell you what, uh, God has been good to our church, given us good people over the years. Uh, anytime folks have have left for the right reasons, particularly. And, uh, and come back, it's good to see him. And uh, it's good to see Justin Burchard here this morning. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Well, uh, I don't know, the older I get, the more I get touched by that kind of stuff. When I see, see uh, old friends and, and, and faces, I say old faces, I gotta be careful about that. Because <laughs> mine is getting kind of aged myself. But anyway, uh, it's just good to have all, all those folks here. All right, uh, you should be in Jeremiah 17 by now, let's stand. In Jeremiah 17, we're going to read verse 9. Let's read it together out loud in unison. If your neighbor does not have a King James Bible, allow them to look on with you if you would. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. Let's read it together. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let's read it one more time. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Father, we're thankful that though we have a heart that is wicked, and in fact, you say not just wicked, but desperately wicked above all things, yet, uh, Lord, uh, you are greater than our heart. And, uh, Father, I'm thankful for the salvation that we can have so full and free in Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with our Savior we're, we're uh, thankful, Lord, just for the opportunity to be here this morning. And we, we ask that you give us a blessing from your book. Lord, uh, may the Spirit of God have freedom in this place this morning. May the Spirit of God have freedom in each and every one of our hearts. And uh, Lord, as the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together, may we respond properly uh, as, as you speak to our hearts. Lord, have your will, have your way. That's what we desire this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Bible says the, the, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things. That was the, the phrase that kind of caught my eye this week, is, is above all things. In other words, there's, there's nothing more wicked and there's nothing more deceitful than the heart. We're living in a day and age where the, the, uh, uh, the, the mantra is, well, if you don't know what to do, just follow your heart. Yeah, follow that which is above all things desperately wicked, okay, and deceitful. No, 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 not good advice at all, okay? 
But, but you know, uh, sometimes we look at that and we focus on that particular thing. And, it's, and it is true. I mean, whether you're saved or lost, you've got a heart that's got an old nature in it. And, uh, and, and uh, so th that is a, a constant struggle. In the, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And uh, uh, they're contrary one to another. We have a constant battle going on. So because that is true, and because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, then, uh, then, then there, there's some things that we need to do as save people above all things. And I want to look at the, this morning at three things in the Old Testament that, that, uh, where God says, above all, do this. Because I've got an above all wicked heart, I need to do some above all good things in order to keep that thing in check. Um, here, just within the last, I think it was within the last year, I heard Brother Sam Gipp in one of the messages that he was preaching and recorded, and I listened to it. He made a comment. He said, uh, he says, you know, uh, people say, wow, you know, you read 40 pages in your Bible a day. Wow, that's a great feat. He says, no, it isn't. He says, I figure I have to read 40 pages a day. He said, because my heart is so wicked that I need to read 40 pages in order to keep my, my heart in check. <laughs> and, and really, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I don't mean for him. I mean for all of us. Uh, there's some things we need to do, and there's some things that we make to make sure, need to make sure that are above all in our life so that we can keep that heart, which is uh, uh, above all things, is desperately wicked uh, and deceitful. We can keep that thing in check. So take your Bibles and let's look at the first one. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, you know, in the Pauline epistles, the Apostle Paul told Christians, whether it be Galatians uh, Christians, Ephesian Christians, Philippian Christians, Colossian Christians, Corinthian Christians, uh, wherever, he, he gave them things that they needed to be careful of. And he, he gave them things that he, they needed to add to their life. He gave them things that they needed to watch for. But there were, there, there were three times in the New Testament when God says, okay, these are all the things you, you need to do, but above all, do this. And we need to pay attention to those above all. So look in Ephesians chapter 6 and look down in verse 16. And after he has talked about the armor of God, he's talked about putting on the armor and about standing against the wiles of the devil and above all to stand. In verse 16, he says, above all. Now, all of the pieces are important. But this one is of the most importance. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said, above all, make sure you have faith. Why? Because faith is a protection. And one of the things that it protects us against is the fiery darts of the wicked. If you try to, try to live for God, you're going to get them. Uh, if you try to do something for Jesus Christ, uh, there's going to be opposition. And, and the devil is, is going to do whatever he can to, to try to discourage you. Faith protects you against his fiery darts. 
And faith comes from hearing the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it is so important for us to every day be in the book. Uh, you, go to, you go to the book of Joshua, and when they were getting ready to go into the promised land, uh, Joshua told the people, he said, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You're not going to be able to prosper spiritually. You're not going to be able to have success. In fact, that's the only time in your King James Bible the word success is ever, ever used. Unless you spend time in the Word, and the Word of God spends time in you. It's not just taking your devotional time and rushing through your Bible reading, close the Bible and say, well, that's over for the day. Uh, no, he says, listen, we need to be thinking about those things all day long and meditating day and night. Take your Bibles and, and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible. Now there's other chapters that deal with faith, but there's none that really deals with faith like Hebrews 11 does. And not only does God give us a description and definition of faith, but then he gives us example after example after example of people that, that uh, uh, had faith in God. If you look at the first three verses with me, it says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen uh, were not made of things which do appear. And what faith simply is, is just simply this, taking God at his word and trusting him and acting in your life based upon that faith and based upon that trust. Uh, faith is just, is, is confidently obeying God's word regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences, you just decide that if God said it, then that's something that we, you need to do, and you need to trust him for it. Uh, faith is, is, is just simply hearing what God expects of us and then and simply responding properly and doing it. And we see in that chapter, we see example after example after example after example of people that did just that. In verse 4, you've got Abel who uh, offered God a more excellent sacrifice. Uh, his brother offered fruits and vegetables, and uh, he offered uh, the, 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 a, 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 a lamb, offered a living sacrifice, and, uh, and a bloody sacrifice, and it was a more acceptable sacrifice. And again, how did he do it? He did it by faith. He knew what God wanted, and he just did it. In um, uh, Verse 5, Bible says that, that uh, Enoch walked with God, and it says he pleased God. In fact, it tells us without faith it is impossible to please him. And he pleased God, and the Bible says that, that God took him. Well, why was that? Well, because he walked by faith. Uh, because he had faith in God, he walked with God. He had good fellowship with God. You look at uh, Noah in verse 7. 
and uh, Noah prepared an ark. Why? He'd never, he'd never seen a boat that big in his whole life. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been down to uh, the, uh, the ark experience, or ark encounter, I guess it's called. Uh, but, but that thing is phenomenal. Uh, my wife and I went down there a couple of years ago, and just the size of the thing just blows you over. And uh, he had never seen a boat that big, but it didn't make any difference. I, there's no indication that, uh, <clears throat> that Noah was an experienced boat builder. But, but God told him to build a boat. And he says, the reason why is because I'm going to flood out the earth. And I want you, you folks safe. You found grace in my sight. And so I want you to build a boat, get in it, load the animals in it, and I'm going to drown out the rest of the earth. He had never seen rain before. He'd never seen a boat that big before. It didn't make any difference. God told him. He believed it. He had faith. And he did it because he knew that certain judgment was coming because God told him that it was. Uh, Abraham in verse 8 says he left his homeland and just pulled up his tent pegs and just, it just started moving. Why? Because God told him to. And, uh, and he did that because he believed God. Moses made some choices. Moses was, was raised uh, in an Egyptian home. He was raised in Pharaoh's home. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter found him in the bulrushes, uh, raised him, raised him as an Egyptian. And then later on in life, he had to make a choice. Do I, I, you know, do I go ahead and, and identify with the Egyptians or do I go ahead and identify with the people of God? And, you know, the, the difference there was uh, identify with opulence or identify with slavery. And, but God told him to identify with Israel. And so he said, okay, by faith he did it. And he believed that God would reward him for that choice. And they all acted not because they had to. They acted because they wanted to and because they believed God and they had faith. Um, Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 tells us that for whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. Faith is an essential ingredient in our life. Just believing God and knowing what it is that God would have us to do and then fulfilling it in our lives. Uh, faith is, is protection. Um, you know, have you ever heard anybody say, ever heard anybody say, uh, well, uh, uh, Christians just hide behind their faith? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Bible says it's a shield of faith. You ought to hide behind your faith <laughs> because if you don't, the fiery darts will get through, okay? And don't let them intimidate you with those silly remarks and so forth. Uh, faith is a protection. Uh, do you see, folks, do you see where the world is going? Do you see the mess this world is in? I don't just mean the United States. I mean the whole world. It's in a mess right now. It's in the biggest mess I've ever seen in my lifetime. You know why it got in that mess? Because they don't have faith. You want to be protected from that mess? And that doesn't mean you won't, go, you won't have adverse things happen. But God will see you through it if you trust him and believe on him. Uh, faith is, is, a, is and should be a mark of identification for us. People ought to be able to see our faith. You go down through Hebrews 11. 
There isn't a person mentioned in there that you could not only say that they have faith, but you could also say, and I saw it by the fact that they fill in the blank. If you have faith, it's going to change the way you act. And if you're not acting any different than the rest of the world is acting, then there's something wrong. Faith is not there like it ought to be. Uh, when, when a person has faith, it's evident. You can see it. It's a mark of, of identification. And, and it's our faith that causes us to do what we do. It ought to be the thing that is the impetus for us living for God. Go with me over to, to uh, James chapter 2. This is a good example of this. James 2. James chapter 2. I want you to read with me in verses 15 down through 20. James 2, 15 through 20. It says in verse 15, If a brother or sister... Be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. <laughs> Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And it's true, you can't eat a God bless you, amen? You just can't do it. Uh, verse 17, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. I challenge you, based upon how you acted this last week and what you did this last week. Now, I, I, I think if I was to ask the question, how many of you have faith in God? I think every hand would go up in the place, probably every single hand. But let me ask you something. What kind of faith do you have, according to this verse? Do you have living faith or do you have dead faith? Dead faith means nothing changes. Dead faith means I don't do anything based upon what I say I believe. You know, tonight I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach a message on hell. I don't enjoy preaching messages on hell. One of the reasons why is because i got people that I love that are there tonight. Uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy that. However, um, do we believe that there's a hell? You know what? People that really honest, I mean, not just people who give assent to it, but people who believe in their heart by faith that there is a place called hell where people go that have not trusted Christ as Savior, they've not had their sins forgiven, and they go there for all eternity, and they burn there forever. They act differently than the ones that don't believe in it at all or those that say they believe it, but don't do anything about it. Don't let it change their life. Uh, faith changes the way that we, we respond. If you look with me, uh, down in verse uh, uh, 18, it says, Yea, a man may say, uh, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Uh, faith changes the way that we respond. Living faith is just simply believing on God, finding things in the Bible, and changing our life 
in accordance to what God says because we believe it. And so above all these things, God says, put on faith. And faith is really the founding block, the foundation stone for the Christian life. Then the second thing, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians 3, look at verses 12 through 14. Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Colossians 3, 12 <clears throat> says, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So obviously here he's talking to saved people. He's talking to Christians, people that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. He said, listen, you're forgiven, and you ought to act like it. And he gives them all these different things that they ought to put on and ways that they ought to act. But notice what he does in verse 14. And then he says, and above all these things. Now, these things are all important. But on top of that, the most important thing that you could do, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know, he told them, he told them to put on mercy. He told them to put on kindness. He told them to put on humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearance and forgiveness. But he says, above all things, even more so than any of those things, make sure you have charity. Charity is above all because those other seven things really come from charity. If you already have the charity in your heart and life, then those other things are going to be easier to live out. But if you don't have charity, uh, of course, over in 1 Corinthians 13, basically it says if you don't have charity, you could, you could do all kinds of things for God, and you really are nothing. You're sounding brass and tinkling cymbal if you don't have charity. What is charity? Charity is just simply God's love being exhibited through us to others. Uh, one of the things I was challenged with, and I, I, I did a study on charity here not too long ago, and preached a message on it, and, and um, came to the conclusion that in Scripture, charity is, ne is not us loving God, though we're to love God. You know, God says, I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. But that isn't what charity is. Uh, charity is not God loving us. You, know, you never find anywhere in Scripture that I could find. Anyway, if you find it, let me know. Correct me. Uh, but uh, I never find anywhere where the, the Bible says that God showed charity toward us. But we're to show charity toward others. What charity is, is our response to other people. And having a, a heart of love and care and consideration toward others. And charity is so essential in the Christian life. That's why he says above all things. By the way, not just even not just to one another, to uh, save people to save people, but also to the lost. Um, 
it, it is absolutely essential to have charity in order to be a good witness. Why is that? Because just like you before you got saved, there really isn't a whole lot to love about a lot of lost people. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, you, you look at it, you, you look at the vileness that's out there. And you look at the people that are struggling with things and, and, and so forth. And, uh, and the truth of the matter is, God says we're to love them. In fact, he goes so far as to say, Jesus went so far as to say, love your enemies. <laughs> well, how in the world do you do that? Well, you do that by caring for them and allowing God to care for them through you. We've got a song that we sing. It's one, it's one of my favorites. I've got a whole bunch of favorites, but that's at the top of the list. And uh, it's called Channels Only. And that's all we are. And particularly when it comes to this thing called charity, uh, loving others, uh, having God love others through us, uh, that's what we are. We're just channels. You know, God pours his love into us, and we're able to show that same love toward other people. Uh, we diminish our witness, or sometimes we'll even stop witnessing to people just simply because we lack charity, because we lack love toward other folks. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter 4, look with me in verses 8, 9, and 10. 1 Peter 4, 8. And again, Peter reiterates this. He says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're to be known by our love uh, to, to each other. John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Now, obviously, you know, they're going to notice things like you carry a Bible. They're going to notice the way you dress. They're going to notice if, uh, if you, when you get saved, that you change in your actions and so forth. But Jesus said the one distinctive quality that will tell everyone around you that, that you are saved is that you have love one to another and that you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a feeling. You know, it's not an ushy-gushy on the inside, of your, in the inside of your guts of your heart. It, what it is, it's a, it's, it's a choice. And you know that because, again, Jesus said, love your enemies. You're not going to have an ushy-gushy about your enemies, okay? You're just not going to do it. But what you can do is you can love them. You can care for them. You can be concerned about them. You can pray for them. So it's not a feeling. And we control it. The only person that can stop your love is you. Nobody, you know, you, I've heard people say, well, so-and-so, 
They, 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 they did such and such and just stopped me from loving them. Stopped me from caring. No, no, they didn't. They didn't do a thing. You chose after they did what they did to stop loving them. And you don't have to make that choice. You can make the choice to love them if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, you're not going to be able to do that like a Christian can do it. But a Christian has the love of God in them. And you can, you can take that love and show it toward others. Um, we need to make sure that that's, that's sticking out there. I mean, that's there. You know, can I tell you, one of the things that probably grieves me, keeps me up the most at night, um, causes, causes consternation of my spirit, is when I see God's people not getting along. When I hear that so-and-so yelled at so-and-so, that uh, somebody got upset with so-and-so, boy, that bothers me. That just bothers me. Because that's supposed to be a distinctive characteristic in us, that we love one another. And the truth of the matter is, folks, how in the world can we go on out and, and show compassion on a lost world where we can't even love the saved people that God has put in our path. It's so important for us, above all things, to have that love. Our love, love is to be fervent. It's just have fervent love. That means it's on fire. I mean, that, that means there's no mistaking in, in, uh, in other people's eyes that, that you love folks. Um, that love is, is forgiving, and it covers sin. It covers sin. Uh, if a person uh, really loves people, they won't be anxious to repeat or expose their sin to others. Now, there's times when sin needs to be exposed. I understand that. Uh, there's times when, when people need to be confronted. I understand that, too. But you know what? If people are gossiping and talking and backbiting because of somebody's sin, that tells me something. If I'm doing it or if somebody else is doing it, it doesn't make any difference who it is. There's something wrong. The love is slipping. And you know what I found? I found this to be so true. My love for others slips when first my love for God slips. Now, sometimes this slippage isn't quite as evident and obvious to me as this slippage is. But when I start slipping in my love toward others, God raises a red flag in my heart and says, listen, the reason why you're having struggle with them is not because of them, it's because of you. And it's because you've let your love, love slip with me. Uh, when Jesus gave those two commandments, did you ever notice the order he gave men? He said, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, with all the soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. He says, the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. Where does that come from? That comes from loving God first. You love God first, and then you have the ability and the capacity to love others. And, uh, and our, our love needs to be a fervent love. Uh, it'll be exhibited, according to this ver the, these verses, it'll be exhibited in hospitality. It'll be exhibited in ministering to one another and caring and being concerned with one another. Then the third thing that we ought to put above all things. Go with me to James 5. 
James chapter 5. We're going, to, we're going to read verses 10 through 12, get it in context. James chapter 5 and verse, verses 10 through 12. James 5, 10 says, take, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, uh, of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. He says, Above all, have faith. Above all, have charity. And then thirdly, we find in the New Testament, above all, and these are the, the only three above alls I find. The third above all is above all, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. I don't know about you, but to some extent that, you know, I look at that list and I say, well, I understand the first two, but that last one just doesn't seem to fit. Until you get it in context. Look in, verse, look in verse 11. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Uh, we count them happy which endure. You can't endure unless there's uh, problems or pressures. Obviously, when he says endure, he's implying that there are difficulties that are in life. Um, happiness is, is, uh, is, is not a, a life of ease, but it's one in which we have allowed the pressures uh, and the troubles of life and the trials to, to cause us to get closer to God, and we've allowed, allowed those things to form character in us. And, and to become a, a uh, more Christ-like individual because of the problems and because of the difficulties. Um, I, I have, I've watched over the years, I've watched Christians get, uh, get bitter, get mad at God because of problems. And problems aren't, aren't, aren't set, are, are not given to us to, to just put pressure on us and just see how much we can handle. No, God's trying to develop us. And I understand everybody's problems are different. That's why the Bible says comparing themselves among themselves, they were not wise. Why? Well, because God's going to deal differently with you than he's going to deal with somebody else because he knows your individual specific needs. And he knows my individual specific needs. Uh, you go to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is, is taken up to the third heaven, and he sees things that no other man has seen up to that point. And then God brought him back down to, to earth, and right after that, the Bible says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. And he gave him the thorn, the thorn in the flesh so he would not be exalted, and he wouldn't exalt himself so he wouldn't get proud. And uh, his response to that thorn, well, obviously, he he prayed. He started out, we were talking about this this morning in, um, in adult Sunday school. He prayed three times and he prayed the same prayer that you would pray. Lord, get rid of it. Lord, take it out. Lord, remove it. 
And God's answer was not what he expected. His answer was, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, and then he goes on to say that most gladly, therefore, will I glory. Uh, you know, he, he, he responded to the whole situation, even though God told him no. So I'm not going to remove it. Instead, I'm going to give you the grace to handle it, take you through it. His response was a response of humility. It was a response of thankfulness. And it was a response of a glad heart. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't get upset. He didn't say, Lord, I've been trying to serve you and this is what I get for it. Uh, he, 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 took it, he took it properly, and it caused him to abound. Because he responded right to that thing, he, he, he found God's grace, he found God's strength, and he found God's power. In, in verse 11 of, of James 5, it also talks about, talks about Job, and he promises blessing after endurance. You know, one of the, the things that I, I am the most impressed about in the book of Job, Job goes through um, tremendous loss. He lost everything. Lost his health, lost his wealth, lost his family, lost his habitation. Um, his wife came up to him and said, uh, why don't you just curse God and die? And he looked at his wife and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He praised the Lord. He didn't curse the Lord like his wife uh, suggested that he do. And uh, because he endured through that thing and because he said the right things and gave the right response. And I don't believe he just mouthed those things. I believe he meant it with his heart. When he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He meant it. He meant it. And uh, again, his wife wanted him to say no to God and to turn his back on God. And he said, no, I'm going to praise the Lord. And he did that for the, for the whole book of Job. Now, there are times when he struggled. And, and obviously, you would too, probably a whole lot more than Job did. I know I would probably struggle a whole lot more than Job did. But, but he did not sin against God with his mouth in the respect of uh, he, he said that he was going to, to uh, stick with God. He was going to bless the Lord. And though he didn't understand things and, and he was confused by some things, no doubt. But, but he did not betray God with his mouth. He let his yea be yea and his nay be nay. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, you, you look at that whole thing, and this is a man who did right his whole life. And yet he suffered, and he suffered greatly. Um, there, were, there were times when, yes, he did question God. There's no doubt about that. But, but he did not forsake him. He never turned his back on him. And you go to verse 12, and in context with that whole thing, he says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Uh, what does enduring suffering have to do with, with keeping your word? Well, even in total loss, Job was known for retaining his integrity. He didn't cave in. 
He stayed true. He started out believing God. He ended up believing God. He started out loving God. He continued loving God, even through the whole thing. And again, he questioned some things. Obviously, you would too if you had that, that great of a thing uh, occur in your life. But, but, but he let his yay be yay, and he let his nay be nay. He did not let pressure cause his integrity to fail. In other words, when, when you go through tough situations, if you said you're going to do something, you better do it. If, if you go through uh, difficulty, but you said you're, you're going to take care of something, take care of it. Take care of it. Uh, and what that does is that shows the integrity of the man. Uh, one of the, the themes, I believe, all the way through the, the, the book of Job is that Job uh, withheld or kept his integrity through that entire process. Uh, he kept his character. Uh, a, a, a man's word and a woman's word should be just as good as their bond. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Where does that, where does that uh, good name come from? Being true to your word. When you say, you know, there, there's nothing, I don't, I don't think there's anything that discourages children in homes more than moms and dads who say they're going to do something and then never come through with it. And you know, I, I've, I found this over the years. You may forget what you promised, but can I tell you something? Your kids don't forget. There's a bunch of things that my kids have told me over the, over the last few years. They said, do you remember when you said, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a clue. Do you remember when you did? No, I don't remember that. And it, it's, it, you say, well, you're, you're just getting old and feeble in your memory. Yeah, that's probably part of it. But the other part of it is, is that you, it just gets lost in the shuffle, you know, of everything else that's going on. And God says, listen, one way to, to, uh, to maintain your integrity is to let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Is the heart deceitful above all things? Yes, it is. Is it desperately wicked above all things? Yes, it is. But because it is, there's three things we need to do. We need to have above all things, we need to have faith. Above all things, we need to have charity. And above all things, we need to be known by our word, be as good as our word. Why is that so important? Because that has to do with your testimony. In fact, all three of those things have to do with your testimony. People will see your faith. People will see your charity. And people will see your integrity when you do what you say you do. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray this morning that you'd get a hold of our hearts and help us to realize that there are some things that need to be on the top of our priority list when it comes to living for you. And those three things are faith, charity, and our word. Why? Well, because first of all, we do all those things as a reflection of our love and our relationship with you. And secondly, Lord, others see it. 
We want to be a good testimony. We want, we want to see, you know, ever since I came to Auburn, I've had a burden to see people in Auburn come to know Christ as Savior. I'd, I'd love to see this. I'd love to see this whole city get saved. Now, I understand that that's, that's probably not going to happen to every single soul. But as many people as we can affect, we want to affect for Jesus Christ. But we'll affect them through our faith. And we'll affect them through our charity. And we'll affect them by our word. We are, our society is changing so rapidly, Lord, that uh, we're becoming like heathen nations in the respect that you can't believe anything in some countries that people would ever say. And America's becoming like that. May we not be like that. May people see clearly our faith and our charity and the fact that we keep our word and we have integrity. God, speak to our hearts this morning. Maybe there's some areas where we need to have short up. We have let faith slip. We have let our charity slip. We've let our word slip. We've gotten flippant with the things that we say. Father, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts this morning, realizing that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We need to keep those other things in check so that we have a testimony, so that, Lord, our heart is in the right place so that you can pour out your blessings. Father, I pray that you would just have your will and your way in this invitation this morning. Speak to hearts, please. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's